Hey everybody, it's Joby. Uh, you're listening to The Gap, episode 358. But we're going to call it episode 357 when I put it up on the site. Because uh, we called the last episode 358. And that means we missed an episode uh, in the numbering scheme. And so if I just make this one episode 357. Uh, no, if I make this one, yeah, 357. Then we can get back on track next episode with 359 i know what you're thinking why don't you just take it down by the time we actually caught the the screw up and by we i mean me but by the time we we caught the mistake uh i was already well and truly drunk uh and uh it had been six hours and i figured a lot of people would have automatically pulled it using uh their subscribe or whatever so i didn't want to have to make people download a full new episode just to like literally change a title it seemed like a complete waste to me so screw it uh, i figured we'd do it this way anyway i know what you're thinking how come you're the only one talking job i'll tell you why it's because i'm the only one here uh luke has gone on holidays and uh as a result uh it's just your boy jobo with you today I'm flying solo uh i did ask nate uh to come on but we're both too busy every other night of the week except tonight and tonight is actually his birthday happy birthday nate uh he obviously wasn't interested in doing it for those reasons uh so instead uh we're just gonna roll just me it'll be all good we've got some good stuff to talk about some bananas stuff to talk about uh let's open though with uh let's open with rainbow six siege so uh playing this again new five gig update it's just a reminder it re it's just a constant reminder to me of how they do such a good job of engaging with their community and how desperate it is to me for battlefield to catch up and i i actually remember a time like there used to be a time when people didn't have the internet to handle like extremely regular updates uh you know the back in the day prior to cable uh if a game was updating dropping a patch every week you'd pretty much go insane you'd be like you just lose you lose your shit because you only had like 10 gigabytes of download for the entire uh month and so you'd be struggling to keep up uh you'd never be able to play on official servers actually that is what happened quite a lot of the time is that there were servers that were just a couple of versions behind they'd stay on a consistent like version until like for an entire month and they wouldn't update until the next month and whatever updates had come out in that time and that's basically what you do if you didn't have the bandwidth to continuously download new uh new updates then you'd basically just have to do that that i don't think it was a problem um obviously it's better the way we have it now i mean better internet is better right like the doy but uh yeah uh, I, I did, like, 
yeah, nobody's catering to people that way anymore. Nobody's leaving their servers unupdated to cater to people who aren't able to download updates. Anyway, I'm well off point. Uh, what I'm driving at here is that uh, Battlefield is extremely slow on its updates, and I think it desperately needs to be a lot, lot more agile, like properly agile. And I know we've talked about it before, but like the rapidity of uh, Rainbow Six's ability to update their game is to me one of the things that has led to its longevity and it is getting to a conspiracy theory level with me uh regarding battlefield's incapability of uh holding on to players because like as it stands right now i've got no interest in going back and playing Battlefield and bear, like if you've been listening for more than six months, you'll know that back in the day, like back when it first came out, I was full blown addicted. But the like you just you can't watch a game like fail to fix its problems. You can deal like you can be excited. A game can have problems, and I think this happens quite a bit. But a game can have problems, and you can still be ex- ex- like very excited to play it. Like Rainbow Six is a flawless example but battlefield is another one where you're still extremely excited to play it and you'll deal with the problems and the reality is you just sort of like you wait for the problems to get fixed but nobody can wait forever it's i don't know if you've ever had like a a dripping tap uh like a tap that drips while you're trying to go to sleep and it's all you can hear like the moment that moment when you can hear it dripping and it drips, drips, drips. And suddenly it's the only thing like you can hear, you get like tunnel vision, but tunnel, I don't know, audio. And uh, it's the only thing you can hear. And so it, like, this is the sort of shit that drives me nuts while I'm trying to go to sleep. And so I'll then have to, I, I can deal with it for a little bit. And if I go to sleep, if I manage to go to sleep before fixing it, then a all good, right? Uh, if I can't, then I'll have to go find the drip and fix it. And I mean, it can be a mad pain, especially if the drip isn't in your house. Uh, yeah, that sort of stuff, you know? That's what I'm talking about. That sort of niggling little problem that never stops annoying you. And that's what Battlefield is inundated with. Like, they had a big patch recently and they still didn't fix the bug where you spawn back in and you can't move your mouse cursor. Like, until you change weapons. That's bananas. You still have to, like, you would have to still automatically switch uh, between your pistol and your main weapon when you're revived. That would still be the number one go-to move uh, because you don't want to get in, like, get into a firefight. Or get revived under fire and then find out you can't fire. So, yeah, redox, redox. Uh, so, Rainbow Six Siege is just, it just continues to do it right. They launched their new um, DLC a couple of uh, weeks ago, I guess. And, uh, yeah, two weeks ago, I think. And uh, it, it released with a bug where uh, Mira, one of the new operators, her black mirrors were able to be bashed from the wrong side of... So you could basically walk up. The The function of the Black Mirror is you 
jutted into a wall and uh, you can see out of it and the attackers can't see in. So you can use it to gain extra information. But the trick with it is that you can then pop a gas canister underneath the mirror and it will fall and you can then fire out. And uh, yeah, one of the things, one of the bugs that they hadn't really dealt with was that uh, if you were on the other side of the wall, if you were standing in front of the mirror, you could bash into the wall and you would be able to smash the canister from the wrong side and uh it was a pretty it was a pretty big bug and i mean the the best you could do to stop it was shame the other team for doing it basically that was your only real uh recourse when someone was cheesing like that and they knew they were doing something shitty. But people do shitty things in online games all the time. So they didn't give a shit. Uh, so yeah. They fixed it. They've already fixed it. I think it was only a week ago. But uh, yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty tight. So I'm just... I just... am constantly reminded of how top-notch their efforts with keeping the game afloat are. And uh, I'm going actually going on a um, Battlefield-related trip... Uh, in a short while, I'll be missing from a podcast, I believe, uh, as a result. And it's it's something I'm actively going to bring up. I'm going to, like, I, I know I've got interviews. I'm going to bring it up with the the team at DICE because I, I need answers. I actually, I'm at the point where I need answers about why they aren't. And I know, I actually, I'm, I'm sure I know what the answers are going to be already. I mean, DICE doesn't just make uh doesn't just make battlefield anymore they're making a new battlefront they're making uh they've got a frostbite engine support that they have to do so that involves fifa that involves mass effect andromeda that involves like heaps of heaps of things so yeah they're in a pickle i suppose in terms of workload but that it's not excuse in my opinion. I mean, they they need to support their games properly, and they just haven't been doing it, which is a bummer. Uh, what else have we got to talk about? We got a bunch of games actually. Mass Effect Andromeda is on the list, but we'll leave it to a little bit later. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about uh, a game called Draymond Green's Shut Up and Jam Slam Jam Karate Basketball. Let me let me try that again. Draymond Green's Shut Up and Slam Jam Karate Basketball. Uh, this was a game that uh, was developed on, uh, oh, sorry, released on itch.io. Um, so that's a it's a site that like people are using to sort of release like micro games. They're not like doing huge stuff to like it's not huge huge efforts, but uh, yeah, it's like sort of jams. That's it. That's the word I'm looking for. Game Jam games. Uh, and they're releasing those sort of on itch.io. And uh, the way it works is you can get the game for free almost all of the time. But you can also donate. Like you can choose to sort of pay what you want. And what you want can include paying nothing at all. But uh, the team for, who made... Oh, what do they make? Powerhoof. Um, they made Crawl, which is that... Uh, it's that dungeon crawler game where only one person is the hero and the other three people in the game. So it's a four-player um, split-screen affair. 
sort of uh, single, single, not split screen, single screen, but couch co-op affair. And uh, yeah, one person is the hero. The other three are like inhabit the demons of the game. And so like Crawl's actually a lot of fun. And another, like they actually, last time I played it, I played it back up in Brisbane and uh, it had changed significantly uh, since the first time I played it. Like just massive, massive uh like improvements to it but uh yeah so power hoof uh some of the developers from power hoof created uh yeah this draymond green's karate basketball and uh obviously the joke is that uh draymond green kicks people a lot and it's allegedly part of his natural shooting motion and as a uh as a uh, unashamed LeBron stan uh yeah Draymond Green's ability to take out players through the liberal use of kicks uh I mean he's on he's on the Warriors right I stopped wearing my goddamn Kevin Durant shoes because he went to the Warriors it's not that I hate the Warriors it's I I hate the the concept of the Warriors uh and Warriors fans are so smug oh well LeBron has to Oh, LeBron's got to get more play. Look, what are you talking about? You've got Steph Curry, MVP, and KD, MVP, and Draymond Green, Finals MVP, and Clay Thompson, uh, notorious stoner. And what you you're like complaining about LeBron, whose teammates are fucking Kevin Love, who is injured for six, 60% of every season, and Kyrie Irving, who doesn't believe the Earth is round. Let's just be fucking 100% clear here. He doesn't believe the Earth is round. He thinks it's flat. He also thinks dinosaurs are made up and planets aren't real. Kyrie Irving, okay, amazing basketball player, no question, right? The man was born in Melbourne, so at some point had to be on a plane for 13 hours, and so at some point had to resolve within himself to believe that he wasn't, like, that government agents were flying that plane around in circles for 13 hours, just buying time to push the illusion that the Earth is round. That is insanity. That is insanity. And that's who LeBron has around him. So if LeBron wants to, like, go fishing for fucking... I don't, who did he even pick up? I can't even remember who they picked up. But it wasn't like... It's not like they picked up fucking Russell Westbrook or anything. Fuck. Like, yeah, it's not like Carmelo Anthony finally had enough of New York and decided to go take his talents to Cleveland. Right? They picked up someone... Fuck, it's on the tip of my tongue, and he hasn't... Derek Williams. They picked up Derek Williams, who wasn't that great when he was great. Like, yes, seven billion times better than I'll ever be at basketball, right? Obviously, but, yeah, not like... Not like KD going to the fucking Warriors. Anyway, obviously I'm mad about this. Uh, Draymond Green's shut up and slam karate basketball. Right, that's what we're talking about. Uh, it's a game. The the pitch, the, like, 
the elevator pitch is what if uh, Streets of Rage uh, met NBA Jam, which I actually vaguely remember a game called Arch Angels, Arch Rivals actually, Arch Rivals, uh, and that was uh, that was basically the same concept. It was you know basketball but with uh, liberal use of weapons, and uh, we used to play Arch Rivals in primary school, and I dislocated my thumb once. Uh, playing Arch Rivals, uh, not from getting hit, because uh, you were allowed to hit in our version of Arch Rivals, and you were allowed to take people out mid-jump shot. Uh, there were It was basically basketball, but we didn't call fouls, because we didn't have anyone who was going to referee. And, uh, and it evolved. It started out as just, uh, we're not call- calling fouls, and then it evolved into... Uh, I don't know, blood sports, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I just had my thumb once, and that's that was the last time I really played basketball. Um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't actually being hit or anything. Uh, I just stuck my hand up to intercept a pass and uh, got my thumb caught. Classic. Good times. Uh, as a kid, Ben, Ben something, Ben Taylor, maybe, I think his name was, and he uh, relocated my thumb. Good stuff, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Good times. Uh, yeah, that was. I think that was the only nice thing Ben Taylor ever did to me. Because he was a notorious fuckwit. But uh, anyway, Draymond Green shot up in Slam Jam Karate Basketball. is. Uh, it's like, yeah, a four-player, single-screen game. It's basically NBA Jam. But you can kick people. And so about halfway through the game, they'll throw out kendo sticks. And you can pick up the kendo sticks and hit people with those. Uh, it's not... I wouldn't say it's good. Like, how do I put... Like, I'm not saying it's bad either. I'm saying, like, it's not even remotely polished. It was created for, like, a... a, um, It was created for a jam. I can't remember which one. But it was created for a jam. uh, And the the idea was... um, like, I don't know, I don't, like, I guess, yeah, Streets of Rage meets NBA Jam, but, uh, yeah, it's, like, basically, if nobody is near you, uh, it, yeah, you can smash threes from a half court and stuff, uh, which makes, like, you can sort of exploit that pretty easily. There's, it doesn't seem to have, like, accuracy based on range or anything like that. Uh, well, the accuracy, accuracy based on range is based on range two other people so if you're playing against the AI you can just ping shit in from anywhere almost uh so that's you know that's not fantastic but I could see this game turning into something fucking hilarious it's two on two basketball I should be clear uh and so yeah you can have four people playing uh it's got you know cute art style uh yeah google the name uh fucking whatever the fuck it is Draymond Green they might have actually Drops the Draymond Green part. Uh, I don't know. Just search, like, karate basketball, maybe? Or, uh, yeah. It's got, like, a slightly funny story about it and stuff like that. Like, uh, Draymond Green is at this rec center and he's going to do a charity match. And then, um, then the organizer comes over and they're like, oh, sorry, we double booked. Uh, but we've got a bunch of people out here and they are ready to watch 
some karate and Draymond Green's like, well, don't worry, I got this. And so out he goes. A lot of dare. 37 is what it was for. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's good fun. I, I could see it being improved and then suddenly unbelievably uh, funny. Like fun and funny. And so, yeah, I don't know. It just, yeah, pretty good. Uh, that's that's that game. If you want to check it out, yeah, Google the name. I've said it forty billion times. Jeremy Green's shot up and slam jam karate basketball. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. Uh, what else have I got? Barrow Trauma. Barrow Trauma is a game. It's, it's interesting. It's this is another one that needs work. Uh, I don't actually know the background of this one. Uh, I had a mate tell me I should play it. Uh, and I downloaded it, and I've been playing it a fair bit today, uh, and, uh, and for a little while yesterday as well. Um, it's this submarine game, I guess? Like, uh, you're on a submarine, and you're trying to manage the systems of a submarine, and at the same time you're trying to drive the submarine, and shit is falling apart on the quick, on the mad quick! Um, yeah, so, basically, you're, like, the tutorial does a really good job of explaining a lot of the basics, and I haven't actually run into anything far outside of what the tutorial, like, what I've done so far in the, in the, in my new game, uh, is basically tutorial adjacent shit, like, uh, yeah, the first thing you got to do is get your new your reactor online, and so to do that, you've got to like manage cooling coolant with power versus uh, the kilowatt output, and you don't want it to be too high. And there's sort of like an auto manage system that you can put in place, but it's it's uh, not able to deal with like sudden spikes in uh, power, and that's actually. Uh, that's how I fucked up my first game, uh, like my first actual new game, was uh, I, I didn't really account for the sudden spike that would occur when I revved my engines up to full bore, and so uh, I sort of went from, uh, I think like 1800 kilowatts to 5000 kilowatts, and my my reactor wasn't ready to deal with that, and so all power went out, which meant my control systems went out, but the, I was boosting, I was going really fast straight down at the time, and so I careened into the bottom of the uh, ocean floor. Uh, so yeah, this submarine, you're sort of managing like pressure and all that kind of shit, but also like, uh, if the, like if there's sea monsters in the water and stuff, and so if the sea monsters like smash in, to parts of your submarine, then you've got to fix up those parts. You also got to kill the sea monsters. You also got to like, it's it's that shit I always talk about, right? That that type of game that I like, uh, where you're managing a constantly cascading and uh, and more complex set of priorities, where you feel like you're always basically a step behind and. You've got all these plates on sticks up in the air and you're desperately trying to keep them up. And you're, yeah, you're just like a single fumble away from dropping a plate and 
the magic of the game is learning to keep it's not like it's the magic of the game isn't in keeping all of the plates up forever uh because you're going to drop a plate inevitably the magic is in having even more plates up like you start out with three plates and you think that's pretty magical then you drop them and then the next time you add another plate in and then you add another plate in and you've got these you've got six fucking plates spinning on sticks and you're keeping them all going and you feel like fucking yeah a jug this juggling act is is just well out of out of control and yet you're keeping it in control and uh, that's that's the sort of game this is. So yeah, you've got a like, yeah, you've got power management, which is the reactor. Uh, but then there's yeah, pure systems management. There's like sonar. Sonar is how you like sort of drive your ship. Uh, to uh, you've got like rail guns as your main source of uh, attack, and uh, those need to be charged up. So you've got to like deal with power spikes when you're charging up your rail guns. Then you got to load the uh railgun rails i suppose uh like oh, i don't know pucks i guess you'd fire out of railgun right uh you load those into the railgun itself so you load the ammo and like you do all this all of this is mechanically like completed by you all of it's accomplished by you step by step uh even down to the idea of uh rewiring certain elements of your ship uh, so you get wire out of a tool, uh, out of a, out of a cabinet, and then you link it from one nodule on a switch, and then you link it, link it to another, and you're able to like bypass locked doors, or you're able to like uh, make things slightly easier for you yourself by like rerouting where certain switches, how certain switches work, and stuff like that. And that's the sort of, yeah, that's the sort of, I don't know, uh, game it is. It's this, it's so, it's obsessed with the minutiae of uh, the concept of running a sub. And it's a like a submarine, like it's, we're not talking about like fucking dust boot here. We're talking about like this eight story submarine, but there's only three people on this sub. And so, yeah, we're talking about a submarine that is, like, skeleton cruise shit, and you're actively running around from one place to another trying to keep everything afloat. And, uh, yeah, I... I mean, that's pretty much it. When, uh, when the sea monsters attack and, uh, water starts pouring in, if you're not nearby, <laughs> it's very easy to, like, show up and find that, uh that yeah entire sections of your fucking ship are already underwater uh and so you get into a habit of closing doors behind you because the doors act act as like sealants for the room and so if you find out yeah you work out where you're getting attacked from by a sea monster work out where the hull breach is uh as yeah you have to like you grab a rebreather and you have to like attach an ox oxygen tank to it but that's fine once you uh once you've done that then uh you open the the door to the breached room and in you go and water like spills out you close it as quickly as you can to minimize how much water gets throughout the rest of the ship and yeah in you go you sort of seal up any pat patch any gaps and fix up the hull and then 
uh, like theoretically you've already shot you've already killed the sea monster but uh, yeah otherwise you'll just be it'll be making more holes that you'll have to fix so yeah priority one is uh, to kill the sea monster I guess um, yeah it's just I don't know it's it's one of those games right <sighs> there's this idea of chore games right this idea of games that are based around chores and uh, I think that as a design focus uh, it's grossly unappealing to me these are the games that are like uh, Ark right or Conan right Conan Exiles Ark or yeah Conan Exiles uh, these games that are based around doing things repetitively until you've got the resources you need to do something vaguely creative and I feel like those games might be like really close to this sort of game I I mean yeah no I, 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 when I think about it they're, they're obviously because Daisy sort of exists alongside the Conans or the Arcs of this world right but it's not but Daisy is one of these priority plate spinning games while Ark is this chore game. And I'm not saying it's it's bad, because I guess that's what I'm actually saying, is that Ark and Conan are similar, but different, in a way that is directly unappealing to me, while... And, and I think it is about... It's about the chores. Because I actually, like... I'm like a pig in shit in a game where I'm doing, like, pointless tiny shit that I shouldn't that should be all like almost automated right uh I'm I'm just there I'm like fuck yeah make me make me plug the fucking battery into a flashlight every time I get a new one or something like fuck yeah that's amazing that's that's genius it's so fucking so active I'm so fucking involved here but ask me to break like 50 fucking rocks and no thank you but I understand why they're so similar like they they exist in these same sorts of worlds because yeah of course you gotta break 50 rocks if you want to build a fucking house I just don't want to build a house I don't want to build a house in real life uh, I work construction for long enough to know I never actually want to do that again especially not in Australia like if we could find if I could build construction on a beach actually fuck the forest right we build houses in the forest and I don't have a problem with it because I'm building it on a beach alright there we go we just fucking work some shit out if I, if I can work construction on a beach, uh, obviously not the ideal place to construct things, uh, but if I could work construction on a beach, I'd be in, I'd be down for it. But otherwise, it's just too hot, and I sweat so much, dear listener. I, I'm sure you don't want to know just how much I sweat, but it is a lot. I'm just a sweaty dude, and uh, yeah, I'm wearing a grey shirt at the moment, and grey is a poor choice for me because as soon as i leave the house it's like all of the water in me tries to escape at once and so either my shirt looks like it's dark gray the entire way through or it's light gray with like camo patches of darker gray like i'm trying to break up your your eyesight or something it's, 
It's not good. But I love this shirt. It's such a good shirt. Anyway. Um, yeah. That's... Uh, that's Barrow Trauma. Check it out. Uh, I believe you can get that for free as well. So, free games. Woo! Um, inspired by Space Station 13. But I, I haven't actually played Space Station 13. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you there. I got nothing. Um, yeah, I would, uh, I don't know. That's about it. I'd, I'd, I'd recommend checking it out. I mean, it's just, if, if you like that sort of game, uh, and obviously as someone with, uh, keen thalassophobia or fear of the deep unknown, uh, then... Yeah, it's it's well worth a look because you like it uses sound quite well, and because uh, you're using sonar a lot of the time to drive your ship, uh, you sort of you get a sense of things in the in the water well before you can actually see them, and then by the time they you see them, you've generally conjured up some something quite nasty, and then it turns out to be if not nastier, at least as nasty as you envisioned and you freak out. Or at least I freak out, which is good. Always good. Um, yeah. Uh, and I guess that's that. There was something else about this game. I can't remember why it was specifically recommended to me, but uh, they made something else. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. All right, they made our S... SCP Containment Breach, which was that game uh, that I played uh, a couple of years ago, I'd say, uh, where it was that freaky-ass game. Um, I think that one's probably still free, but uh, yeah, basically a first-person horror mod, uh, horror game where you wander through and you're trying to escape, and it's based on the SCP uh, horror archives, which... Uh, these like odd odd fiction about monsters that have been caught by this fictional sort of X-Files type uh, research facility um yeah anyway same people undertow uh, it's cool so that's that uh moving on oh fuck we're three games in we've only got two left Luckily, they're huge. Mass Effect Andromeda. I played this today, and this is why you will not get uh, to listen to this until Friday. But, uh, yeah. It's, uh, hang on, just making sure i got the right embargo. Yes, I do. Uh, it got me off to a bad start, I'm going to be honest. So Mass Effect Andromeda, obviously... Uh, not a sequel to Mass Effect 3, but in the same universe as Mass Effect 3. And so the pitch is that it's sort of... Pardon me. Uh, the pitch is that it sort of uh, existed in this world uh, where, like, they weren't sure Commander Shepard was going to like carry out his mission or succeed in his mission and so for the good of the galaxy they created these arc ships 
that put everyone in cryostasis and then flew for 600 years away to um to colonize another galaxy to colonize the andromeda galaxy and uh yeah so that's the basic uh pitch i guess and yeah so you arrive uh in this new galaxy and it's it's immediately uh things aren't off to a good start uh your ship crashes into i don't know like a space tree or some sort of fucking energy gas or i don't know this is this is what got me off to a bad start to be honest it seemed like something out not out of like not out of star trek it seemed like something out of an episode of futurama where they take the piss out of star trek and i don't mean because it was funny i mean because it was inherently silly and so yeah there was this planet and they were they were sort of flying towards this planet this is their golden planet or whatever the, uh for the human race and they were flying towards it and they like they were on their way and they crash into this energy gas or this dark matter or whatever the fuck and uh yeah, they're like, oh, everyone, oh God, oh, we're supposed to, you know, let's look at the planet. Oh, there's dark energy all over it. How could this have happened? Our scans told us like completely different things. Our scans said this planet would be perfect. And uh, it's like, it just, it boggles my mind because it takes 600 years. They're in cryostasis for 600 years. And like, yeah, shit changes in 600 you've been asleep for six centuries like more than half a millennium okay shit has changed maybe uh like i'm not saying the fucking big bang happened again but yeah surprise surprise the galaxy you thought you were heading to is a little bit different but they take so long to fucking like process that mentally and so yeah, like, it just, it plays out really dumb. And I understand they're doing it to sort of, they're doing the, the they're doing the, like, protagonist thing where the protagonist is sort of the fish out of water and they need people to explain things to them so that they can get caught up on basic elements and shit. Uh, yeah, that's, like, that's obviously the main game plan and they're trying to, catch the player up alongside the character <clears throat> pardon me but uh yeah just it's just ugh, it just seems it's really sloppy writing in my opinion like they just don't do a good job with any of the characters and like they all seem like sort of caricatures in a way uh and it wasn't until i got out of that entire like that first mission after I got out of that first mission and I got to sort of just uh, fart around in a proper Mass Effect style universe, uh, that's when I started to get way more in touch. Like, started to really enjoy the game a lot more. They're trying to, like... So that first mission, it's very much... Uh, it's a shooter. Right? Like, it's a... It is a shooter. Not a... Not, like an rpg or anything like that it you're basically running around shooting shit and i'm i'm not like crazy i've never been like super stoked about mass effects shooter abilities uh but then again i've never really cared all that much uh it's uh to me it's more about 
um, lost my train of thought. Uh, to me, it's more about like the the relationship management, or not relationship management, but relationship building and the the story. I mean the yeah the character development and stuff like that. And so I was never crazy about the shooter. I didn't really get into the multiplayer of Mass Effect Three or anything like that. So. Uh, I wasn't expecting a lot from Andromeda, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It just it didn't really click with me. They had it in a jump, the ability to jump, which is pretty huge for Mass Effect. Uh, and it took, I think it took them quite a bit of work to to get, like work like manage around because I think they've been creating cover based shooter arenas for quite some time. You can still sort of see that. Uh, I don't know, that sort of impulse to create these areas that are full of cover. You know the you know how you, you're playing a cover-based shooter and you know that there's going to be a battle up ahead because suddenly uh, all of the... Like, there's just a weird amount of space between cover, uh, like, crouch height uh, walls and... Uh, they're all staggered really weird and you're like, oh, you know what? If I were to have a fight, it'd probably be really convenient for it to go down right now. And then suddenly, yeah, the fucking, whatever, the locusts arrive and you're like, oh shit, ah, cover base shooter arena, ah, you move to the next arena and you know how I am about fucking arenas of death, right? Like my fucking kill chambers or kill rooms or whatever the fuck you know i'm not a fan of this concept uh if you've listened to the podcast before it's, it's just not something i'm into uh so as a result uh i don't like i don't approve of it as a i don't know basic element of map design in mass effects andromeda's sort of uh run and gun areas and a lot of that mission one is that a lot of the mission one though is also this sort of getting to know you phase and you're investigating extra shit and you're sort of learning a lot about the world as well and so yeah in those moments uh you're learning a lot about like the world and the situation that you're in as well um and it dumps a lot of information on you very quickly so yeah you're in like it's a I don't know, I guess it's a tough spot for the game to be in because, yeah, it's trying to give you that, you know, some shooting to do. Uh, but at the same time, it's also trying to inform you of a lot of, like, stuff. And, yeah, what are you going to do, right? Uh, once you get out of that, uh, once you get out of that fucking section, that first mission, uh, we were tucked in, apparently, uh, at mission four. Uh, and we weren't allowed to... I would like there were there was shitloads of other stuff uh, that you could do outside of Mission Four. Like uh, Mission Four was sort of just the main quest, but I got like this massive influx of information about other missions that I could go check out, and uh, they've really reintroduced the ability to like get into the nitty-gritty of a planet like you go down to a planet and talk to people in the city or then you can drive around in your mako i can't remember what it's called but it's not called a mako uh but you can you can bust around in your 
new Mako. It's a six-wheeled. It's a six-wheeled all-wheel drive. Like, come on, it's a Mako. Let's let's just let's call uh, Mako or Mako, shall we? Anyway, um, yeah. So they've they've done a really good job of like giving you the ability to really uh, bust around uh, these planets, and then yeah, you sort of I swooped out into the system to have a look at the system map and then the galaxy and yeah it seems like there was a lot going on one thing i didn't get to find out is whether or not there would be like fuel management uh i don't know if that's something that they necessarily want to do i do know that i was talking to the producer for um uh fabrice and uh he told me fabrice condominas um, and he told me that at one point they were going to have you pilot your new ship, uh, whatever the new Normandy's called. Uh, it's all in my notes, but I don't have my notes available because that's not how I do the podcast, baby. But, uh, yeah, um, they had, yeah, they had, they had a system, a fucking flight model in place, but they scrapped it because they didn't feel like they were up to the task of creating a goddamn X-Wing game inside of their shooter slash RPG slash relationship management simulator. Um, so, yeah, they scrapped it. But uh, I don't know if... Yeah. Meh. I just don't know if, if that also means that they have, like, fuel for when you want to... Like, because maybe... They, they had this system where you would, like ping from system to system from like solar system to solar system i mean uh as you moved around the galaxy and so it looked like there were like legs to a trip uh similar to the way that you'd like travel between stars in elite um and yeah so it looked like that was a thing um but at the same time I didn't see any indication of fuel and uh, I forgot to ask Fabrice when I was talking to him. So, don't know if that's going to be a thing. Um, I'll tell you what I did find out from Fabrice. There's this new alien race. Uh, I don't know what they're called, but I was calling them uh, cat squids because they've got like the face of a cat, but they've got this squid head type thing, like a big, not like Zoidberg, but like a squid sort of head and then they're bi bipedal uh and uh the first thing i did uh was i went and hit on the squid cat person on my ship and i hit on them hardcore and uh then I'm, i actually like managed to get to a point in the conversation where i was like so should we like see each other then uh, except it was worded in the most hilariously awkward way I've ever seen in my life. It was like worded like, so uh, if you want to, uh, I don't know, we don't have to, but uh, we could like, I don't know, see each other? And then the squid cat is all like, that would be pleasant. And uh, I'm like, am I going to go to fucking Bone City with a squid cat? And uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't go to Bone City. I was pretty disappointed. I was actually... I'll go further than that. I was gutted. I was gutted that I didn't get to go to Bone City. Because I thought it was on. Like, 
What? Like, why would I ask to see this squid cat? Like, I want, like, does he not understand the fucking question here? I want to see if you have genitals, mate. Like, show us your fucking dick. Show us your, I don't know, ink pouch. Or pussy. <laughs> oh, I, I literally just thought that up. Um, you can tell because it's not good. But, uh, yeah, show us your squid pouch. Mate, I would like, I want to know if we actually are compatible in the genitals area before I put in this fucking effort of a relationship. I'm not saying that sex is the ultimate goal when you're dating a squid cat. I'm just saying it's like, you got to be thinking about it. Like, think ahead, right? It's like, you don't go... Hmm. You don't go on a trip to the snow, right? And your main goal is to be able to snowboard. I, you might do that, right? But let's say you're going on a general family holiday and you went to the snow, right? You wouldn't go... If you were interested in snowboarding at some point, you wouldn't go to a place that wouldn't allow you to snowboard, would, would you? No. Nobody would do that. You'd go to a place where, yeah, snowboarding's probably on the fucking cards... Uh, it's, it's, it's at least possible, if you get the time, uh, or if you can make it happen, then yeah, you can snowboard. You're not good, like, what if you, like, oh yeah, oh, we're going to this, uh, snowy mountain, um, so, probably be able to snowboard, and you get there, and they're like, no, nah, sorry, no snowboarding, uh, no skiing of any kind, um, it's too dangerous, it's, it's all made of spikes, um, the, the snow has grown uh, into spikes, and you can't... You probably should have Googled this, because it's, uh, it's actually a fascinating phenomenon, and you'll love you'll love it when you see it. You should go up and see it, because, it, yeah, snow is spikes, but, yeah, uh, functionally, uh, if you try to snowboard on it, you'll get spikes in your shins, and you'll bleed out in the snow, and we can't allow that, because it'll, it'll ruin the tourist attraction of the spikes. So, sorry. That's, that's what I'm saying here, right? I'm not saying... I only am interested in the squid cat to fuck him. All I'm saying is, if it's going to happen, I want to know it can happen now before I invest time into the relationship. But that, like, like, fuck, I can't say that without sounding really... <sighs> fuck. I'm not saying I'm... <sighs> I'm just... All I'm saying is, I'm not saying I'm only investing in that relationship for the purposes of fucking a squid cat. What I'm saying is, I just wouldn't necessarily have that sort of relationship. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't have that sort of relationship uh, with the squid cats. Uh, like, I'd invest in a relationship where we were buds. You know? If he had uh, um, a set of teeth where his genitals were supposed to be. Like those, but not like any old teeth. Not like fucking a, a human mouth. Not, I'm not like, nothing like that. I'm talking like a squid. You know, a squid beak. A beak! A beak where the genitals Because he's a squid cat, right? Like, what if he had a fucking beak? Or his genitals are supposed to... I'm not about that, right? That is actually horrifying. What if... I, I might not even want to be friends with a person with a beak for junk 
to be honest. I'm not talking necessarily lady parts or male parts. Just a beak of any sort as your junk. I don't think I could handle it. Because what if I ever saw you naked? I haven't seen a lot of my... Like, I, I'm going to go further than that. I haven't seen most of my friends naked. But, like, I don't want to run the risk. I guess I haven't asked any of my... Luke might have a beak where his dick is supposed to be. And I would have no way of knowing. Because um, we've... Yeah, it's not like we've we've measured beaks, right? Um, hey, Job, oh, how big is your beak? And I'll be like, what, mate? <laughs> My beak? What what beak? And he's like, what? If you grow up in Western Sydney, everyone knows you've got a beak for a dick. And I'll be like, oh, shit. No, man, that's no, that, no, that's not how that's not how it works in Queensland. We've got we've got sausages, I guess. Uh, anyway. We got well off track. Uh, once you get out of mission one, so in this mission four area, it's just it's like it is really it feels classic Mass Effect. And it actually feels really good. The the thing that they changed is that they no longer have that sort of uh, Paragon and uh, Paragon. What was the other one called? Like Dick Clown. You could choose the Paragon option to be a good guy or you could choose the dick clown option to be a fuckwit and yeah those were usually your two choices they've eliminated that they've now got like a spectrum of answers that you can make and they're sort of like logic or feelings or uh crazy or uh intelligence uh like uh, or like intimate intimidating stuff like that that you can use to sort of like really uh, customize the way you talk to people. The one thing I thought, like, because so the producer for Greece was talking it up, like, oh, it'll no longer just be a binary choice about how you uh, like talk to people. You've got like a, a lot of options, and then he had his four options on screen, and then the next question he had, he had only two options, <laughs> so it was technically a binary choice. But uh, the idea is that you can sort of like their their worry was that if you like chose to be a paragon then you were always going to choose to be a paragon meanwhile if you chose to be a dick clown then you're always going to be a dick clown and yeah they didn't want people to like wind up pigeonholing themselves i guess they wanted people to just sort of answer however they felt at the time and so that's why they've come up with this system. I don't actually know. Like, it definitely impacts. They, they were talking about how every conversation you have and all the conversations you don't have are uh, remembered and internalized by the game to uh, then use that to inform how characters react and speak with you later on, which is some bananas shit. The other thing they said is that one, like, side character, one party member in Mass Effect Andromeda has as many voice lines as uh, Shepard from Mass Effect 3, which is crazy, because Shepard never shut the fuck up in Mass Effect 3. So, yeah, that's a lot of voice lines. Um, yeah, so... They've definitely amped up their game in terms of, like, chatting. Uh, like, the, the talky-talky. Which is awesome, because that's actually what I like in those games. Uh, 
I never, like, yeah, like I said, I never really liked the combat. I mean, how can you give me Knights of the Old Republic and then expect me to enjoy third-rate, third-person cover-based shield? I don't, that's, that's crazy. Like, just make it about Jedis again, already. Just skip to the part where it's in a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away i guess andromeda is technically a galaxy far far away but nevertheless uh yeah so the conversations in it are actually super robust and you get like you get to really dictate the flow of the conversation i don't think the timing is necessarily bang on at this point like you'll say something and then someone will have a sassy fucking mad magazine smart answers to stupid questions uh quip to throw back at you and uh like uh, there was this bartender chick and uh yeah she was like some dude like bought two drinks on my account and she's like oh you have to pay and uh the chick i was playing as paid immediately and she's like keep the change and the bartender chick was like I always do, but she didn't say it. it was like the, the, so the general conversation, the, the well-timed conversation would be like, keep the change. I always do. Right. But in this case, it was keep the change. I always do. And you're like, what the fuck happened? Like, what were you thinking that up lady? Like just Jesus Christ. And also I always do. What do customers not get change back from you? That's ridiculous. Uh, like, th I'm not inclined to come back to this bar then. That's kind of shit. Uh, you should be giving people change. Or, or I'm going to come in here with a sack full of fucking pennies. And we're going to count it out, okay? I'm going to count it out on the fucking thing. And then, just before you go to pick it all up, I'm going to smack it out of the fucking towers. The towers that I created. So it spreads everywhere. And you got to go find it. That's what I'll do, okay? If you don't fucking ever give anyone back their change ridiculous anyway so the time is a bit off but uh apart from that yeah like the conversations are actually uh super robust and yeah you really feel like you're directing the flow and nature of the conversations like you still only get like hints you don't get like a full outline of what a a line like what an answer what an option you're going to pick will be it might be like uh, we shouldn't do that or go with your gut right and then when you pick go with your gut she's like well you know what I think I think you should go with your gut but when you go with we shouldn't do that instead she's like look I don't think we can afford to do that blah 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 right it's that sort of thing it's the Mass Effect style where they don't necessarily give you the entire thing straight up front but it is uh, accurate well, from what I played, obviously, but it's accurate to the the essence or the uh, spirit of what you had intended for them to say. So it winds up being, you know, well done. They've got this option in the options, surprisingly, to turn off uh, the indicators of what an answer, what what category an answer fits in. But I don't think I think that the categories themselves inform you about how a specific answer will go down because you might have we shouldn't do that 
in logical, right? I didn't see this exact thing happen, but like in my mind, a we shouldn't do that sitting in the logical uh, side of the direct, uh, like the discussion tree, right? If it's sitting there, as opposed to the, we shouldn't do that sitting in the feelings part, right? I think those two things are very different to me. And so like, we shouldn't do that based on a feeling is more of a, an emotional, like, here's why I think that's a bad idea, or here's why I think that will hurt our relationships. While we shouldn't do that in the logical part of the tree, instead is like, this is why this will be a bad idea. And so I think it's a nest, like those indicators about what sort of answer you're going to give. I think those are necessary um, to yeah inform you about the nature of your answer in general. Anyway, uh, what else is there? Uh, I guess, yeah, I drove around on the Mako. That was pretty cool. I didn't feel like I was like pushing anything necessarily. I didn't feel like I was really, uh, testing the limits of the game or, or anything, but I didn't feel like that was necessarily possible. I didn't feel like it was available to me to really go to ham, but they did have us sort of railroaded into this one mission that we're allowed to do. And when I, I like, they were, they were trying to wave me away from looking at the galaxy map and shit. Um, so yeah, they didn't, they didn't even want us like just looking at outside shit. Um, probably cause it's, it's going to change over time. Um, and yeah, questions like, is there fuel management are, yeah, not necessarily, uh, some, like something they're sure, like they have an answer for yet, I guess. It's not something that they're 100% certain of yet. Um, yeah, anyway. So, I'll, I'll tell you what, like, initially, I was sitting there, I'm like, oh my god, this does not look good. And by the end of my play session, I was actually quite into it. So, yeah. Swings and roundabouts, I guess. Uh, yeah. That's not how that phrase works. Instead, I guess what I mean is... Yeah. I, I'm actually pretty excited for Mass Effect. Good conclusion, Job. Uh, let's talk about another game. Sorry, just smashing some water. Uh, so, there's a there's another game. It's not out yet, I think. Uh, I don't think it's actually available. Um, and, yeah. I've finished it. Uh, and it's amazing. Um, it is called... Horizon Zero Dawn. And it is staggering to me that it has taken this long for a game to, like, like it to come out. Because holy shit. Sorry about that. Pardon the interruption. Uh, we'll see if we can 
uh, go where I was talking from. Uh, I was talking about Aloy. So you're Aloy. And uh, you sort of get this feeling that she's this, like, Viking cave girl type thing. And then as you slowly start to learn... Like, actually, the game kicks off with Aloy as a baby. And she is actually, for a, a like, CGI baby, she's very cute. Um, but then she, like, just... She just kicks off into the uh, uncanny valley when she turns around five or six, like just well and truly deep into the uncanny valley by that point. And then she exits the valley uh, back on the other side again when she's full grown as Aloy. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. But yeah, so you start off as a baby. You don't actually play as a baby. You just see a cutscene. It's very Lion king uh, it's a little bit goofy, but uh, it's. I, I thought it was good. And then, uh, yeah, you kick off. You do the tutorial as sort of Bambino uh, Aloy, and then it transitions pretty seamlessly into you being uh, full-grown Aloy. It's very cool. By the time you're, like, full-grown Aloy, you feel well and truly prepared for what this world has to throw at you and uh it kicks off with like it it kicks off with you sort of uh doing this these errands you Aloy's an outcast she's like she's lives near this village but she's not allowed to go in the village nobody in the village is allowed to talk to her and uh, according to the rules of their tribe uh nobody is allowed to talk to an outcast at all and that includes other outcasts. And it's... I don't know. It feels like a really... Bullshit way to fucking treat people. I don't... Like, I don't give a fuck what they did. A lot of times... You find out about what a lot of outcasts did. And it's something like... Killed a man in self-defense or some horseshit. And suddenly you're like... Uh... What? And they got... They got banished to... Being alone in this world. In this... Unbelievably hostile world as a result of that uh just it feels way too harsh but i guess on the flip side they don't really have the the uh uh like resources to run a jail or something uh i don't know it's a complicated situation but i don't feel like they solved it in the correct way um yeah instead uh yeah, you, you just sort of run these errands for people and you do it under this sort of shroud of secrecy. Like, people are pretending that you're just sort of randomly helping them or they're like, damn it, I just need the help. I don't care if I talk to an outcast. You're like, I think what you meant to say is, please help me. Thank you. Not, I don't care if I talk to you, you scum of the earth. You prick. Anyway... Uh, what happens after that is, uh, yeah, you get into a situation where you're able to be, uh, wrapped back up into the fold of the village. Uh, and I think I'm still technically under embargo about the details of that situation, so I, uh, won't talk about it, but, uh, it goes fine. 
in that sense, in the sense that you are accepted back into the village and you're no longer an outcast. So from that, yeah, you're no longer an outcast. So that's cool. And then you sort of go about doing the things that you would do in this in this world. You're sort of tasked with leaving the area of the village to go find out details about a mounting trouble. And uh, yeah, you go off into the world. And from there, the game really starts to take on like this shape like a like a Far Cry game. Like you've got these these tall necks, which are these giant Diplodocus motherfuckers. And they've got these radar dishes on their head. Now, if you can climb all the way up to them, and they're moving around, mind you, but if you can climb all the way up to the top of them and then, uh, like, interface with them, then you'll be able to... Uh, you are able to download, like, acquire all of their data. And they've got data on the entire area, which means they've got map data, like all of the... All the dinosaur robots in the general vicinity nearby them uh, sort of interface with them and they acquire that knowledge of the area from them. And so, yeah, if you interface with the tall neck, then you're able to find out where all the nearby goodies are or where certain dinobots hang out or whatever. And yeah, that's, that's basically that. And uh, yeah, that, that felt very... Um, very Far Cry, right? Like, but not Far Cry Primal. Because Far Cry Primal was actually prehistoric and missed a real opportunity to be about dinosaurs. And it didn't do it, instead deciding to not be about dinosaurs. A massive mistake. All games should be about dinosaurs. Horizon Zero Dawn is very much about dinosaurs. They're robot dinosaurs, but it's very much about them. Um... Yeah, it just feels like this Far Cry game where you, have, yeah, like you're crafting your own ammo and you're looting things constantly and it doesn't feel like the RPG stuff feels quite light and yeah, you're just sort of moving around from place to place, accepting quests that are barely more than errands and are indicated as such in the menu system as like to be errands, not, not actual quests. They're just called errands. Uh, and yeah, you've got like all that kind of stuff and it feels like, yeah, a third person Far Cry and I actually enjoyed it. I like, I thought it was a really good take on the Far Cry concept because, you know, it didn't rely too heavily. Like you could just as effectively unlock the map by exploring it yourself as you could, uh, by climbing to the top of this tall neck. Um, you could like constantly i was constantly finding shit outside of the range of the tall neck anyway um so there are massive swaths of the fucking map that uh aren't actually uncovered when you talk to when you interface with the tall neck so yeah just if you see like a blank part of the map just fuck you go there and you find shit you find heaps of shit i found like an entire fucking village at one point and it was a really fucking cool village with some really quirky shit going on and yeah it was not like i i'd done the tall neck of the area it wasn't uncovered at all uh i just had to go fucking exploring and yeah you you feel like you're fucking you're an explorer and the climbing system's good it's not 
fantastic. It's not the best. Um, like there have definitely been better climbing systems. I think this one, it does this really weird thing. And I tried to explain it in my review, but I don't know if I did successfully. And that's always like the challenge, right? You want to, you don't want to, it, it can take a lot of words to explain a certain concept and you don't want to fucking bog down a review with a complicated explanation of this one tiny thing that fucked you off about a game when it might not matter too much in the, in the long run sorry in the long run but it's definitely an area where they could like vastly improve and it is in the uh traversal right because because of the connection i had to far cry and because it was a third person game i guess i made this connection to assassin's creed to some extent and it definitely sort of acts that way so you do a lot of traversal you do a lot of like sort of free running type things not necessarily not necessarily free running itself not parkour but uh yeah sort of very agile nimble jumping around on shit that you like the average person wouldn't dare try to do and stuff like that and there are quite a number of logs that you'll run across and the game will sort of magnetize you towards the logs uh, but you actually won't be magnetized to the log itself until you are well and truly across like the threshold of the log. And so that's like a couple of steps into the log most of the time. Uh, and then there is, there are like, there's about two or three steps where you'll be drawn towards like a tractor beam towards the log but you won't actually be logged uh sorry locked to it yet where you can still totally step off the fucking log at will and plummet to your death and uh yeah it's uh it's a goofy way to die it's not a fantastic way to die i guess uh it's yeah not necessarily how i'd ever want to die um, so yeah, that happens quite a bit in Horizon and it takes, it's one of those things, right? Like where, yeah, the problem is me. This is what I said in my review. Like upon reflection, it's my fault, but I felt like the game was trying to direct me, uh, towards it. And then it was failing. Like, it was like your dad standing underneath you. Uh, and telling you to jump off the roof. Come on, Job, come on. I know you're stuck up on the roof, but you could get down if you just jump. I'll catch you, I'll catch you. And then by the time you actually fucking decide to jump, dad's like, yeah, cool, what's going on? Hey, hey, Liam, who's my twin brother. And uh, I jump and he doesn't catch me. I'm like, hang on, you told me this would be okay. That's what the game does. It tells you it's going to be okay and then it doesn't actually catch you when you just sort of fucking willy-nilly like flap your way onto the fucking log and you, you plummet to your death and I don't know it's just it's not perfect it's not ideal in my opinion uh so there's that uh such a tiny thing in the grand scheme of things but it drove me drove me fucking bananas in the early stages of the game until I just I learned that I'd have to be well and truly on the log before I was fucking logged to, uh, locked to it anyway so it feels like Far Cry and you feel fucking 100% in. I was I was in. I'm like, this game is... I love... I, I really like this game. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, it's a bit derivative. It's not doing anything particularly new. 
Uh, obviously, dinosaur robots is new and it's genius and continues to boggle my mind that nobody has fucking done it before. But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's good. It's good. I'm, I I like it. And then I made my way uh, into like I sort of the map that you're on. The first area you're in is pretty big. It's pretty big, and you feel like it's quite quite big. And then you get into the second area that you can sort of go to. Once you're a part of the village, you can go to this other portion of the map. And uh, that's that's big. That's a big portion of the map. That's where I found this village on the far outreaches of the map in the snow and shit like that. And then you go west of these two portions of the map. And what you enter is probably twice the size of that entire, those entire first two portions put together. It's like twice that size. And it's such a staggering transition in of, of like size that is immediately uh, properly overwhelming. And it just, it feels like, holy fuck, this game, it's like, I understand the title. I understand at least the horizon part because it feels like I can continue walking towards the horizon and there's always going to be shit to do. There isn't, obviously, but if it, it it genuinely feels like that at some point in my experience it felt that way. And I remember that when it felt that way, I had gotten to the top of this mountain and I looked out into the sky... And I could see this this giant. It must have been giant because it was so far away. But I could see this giant beast flapping its wings and flying, uh, and it was it was beating a path uh, off in the distance. And I was I like it was actual awe. Like you know the word awesome. It actually has ties to a word called awe where you have this feeling of, like, amazement at the grandeur of something. And I was, I was in awe of the, of the fucking bird, of the size of this game, of fucking the achievement that putting this game together must have been, like, fucking everything. And it was at that point that I sort of thought back, uh, on, on my experience, and I realized that I'd felt that way already like four times I had come across a fucking pond uh, and I was shooting fish in this pond and then sort of I see movement out of the corner of the screen top left corner of the screen and I look up and there's this fucking metal giant crocodile and is easily easily four times bigger than a normal fucking crocodile and I look at it and I was staggered I was holy fuck look at the size of that thing I went into like a panic it was nowhere near me at the time but what if there was one under the water what if what was I doing I was like I was so naive just walking up to fucking ponds and plinking fucking fish like uh, like I could do anything, like I own this place. And meanwhile, there's this fucking 20 meter long fucking metal crocodile. And I had to go over there for a quest. So I go over there 
And there's like six more of these motherfuckers. I'm like, holy Jesus. This is this is too much at the moment. And then I, you know, calmed myself down and moved on. And the same, like the first time I saw the, t the tall neck, I was, holy fuck, look at the size of this thing. I wonder if I can kill it. I couldn't. I haven't worked out how. Um, there was another time I, f I came across um, the first set of birds. Not the big bird, but a first set of birds. And I was... Yeah, they were flying about. Uh, and suddenly, like, six of them aggroed me all at once. And I felt panic. Like, I haven't felt since probably Alien Isolation. I felt like I was royally fucked like uh, there was just there was no way out uh and even the first time i saw a dinosaur that wasn't the generic raptor or watcher the watcher is a is a pretty basic dino that you can kill by shooting in its eye and so it sort of trains you to look for weaknesses in the dinosaurs uh and once you've been trained to learn uh trained to look for them uh, you sort of, you bank that in your memory and you remember the most efficient ways to kill a lot of dinosaurs. Watches are not only, uh, abundant enough to be killed a lot, but they're also quite easy to kill in one hit with the, by critting them in the eye. But, uh, so yeah, you'll see a lot of them. They, like, they sort of move like raptors but i think of the more like the copies of the world like just these little scavenger scavenger critters that don't really pose any serious threat but if they catch you off guard then they can actually put in put the hurt on you uh the first time i came across uh scrappers which like now scrappers are nothing to me like literally nothing first time i came across them there were like four of them and they're like they're like uh, tigers i guess and they just they fuck you up so fucking quick uh yeah now i'll take on like six scrappers like it's it's nothing scrappers are not even compies to me they're like fucking stray cats uh if if watches are compies they're yes yeah, stray cats you don't even give a fuck but the first time i came across them and they swore me i lost my shit i was done i like couldn't handle it and i had to go back there for a fucking quest and it must like that that fucking section itself must have taken me like an hour because i sat there like baiting them one by one and then taking them out and then like making sure I wasn't seen and then baiting the next one and very carefully doing whatever I could to like eke my way through this fucking area. And I went back there uh, like towards the end of the game and like just sort of wandered through not a care in the world and like one of them attacked me. I shot it dead. I killed it so fast that uh, it didn't even have time to, like, warn the others. Like, when, usually when they hit an alert state, it'll sort of plink out and warn all of the other uh, robots in the area. But it just, it didn't have time. It was done. It was dead. And I'm like, yeah, these things are nothing to me. They're done.
anyway, um, so, yeah, so there was, there was these constant, like, this constant feeling of awe that I was feeling, because I was invested in this game world, because they'd done such a great job in, of investing me in the game world, and then to, like, on a, it was, it was also, like, they're awesome, they're awesome creatures, they're fantastically realized, and, uh, the way that they utilize Aloy's abilities to, like, identify weaknesses means that each one has, they, or they all have these weaknesses, I mentioned it before, and you feel like a hunter as you learn their weaknesses, you feel like you're actually a fucking, a badass hunter pecking apart the best way, like, like, fucking... 40 years from now, I'll be in a fucking lodge, and I'm like, oh yeah, the best best way to take down a scrapper, if they're in a, if they're in a group, plink out their radars first, and then put them down with a, you know, a heavy arrow through the face or something, I don't know, best way to take down a T-Rex, tie it down, get outside of its AI, put it down for good, AI routine rather, and uh, put it down for good. Um, yeah. Like, just this this veteran shit. Like, I feel like I am a veteran in the world of Horizon now. I f and Aloy sort of grew alongside me. And so I felt uh, attached to her as a character, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, the other thing, though, once I got over this mountain, uh, and I had all of this these places to go to, the other thing that happened was that I no longer thought of the game as Far Cry. Because it was too big. It was too grand for Far Cry. And the the, the things that were happening in this world were too grand for a Far Cry. Because Far Cry, like, I love the Far Cry games, except for Primal, which I've still never played. Uh, but I love the Primal, uh, Far Cry games. And, that like, but they're, they're generally concerned with, uh, more personal elements, right? Uh, and I'm like, you know, not every game has to be about the fucking stake of the world or whatever the fuck, but yeah, this one, this one's about the stake of the world. The, the, the fucking, the very happening, the existence, happening of existence. And uh, that's not a phrase, is it? It's just existence. Anyway, uh, yeah. It's about that, and as a result, it feels uh, like The Witcher. It feels like Aloy is a Witcher. There's also, there's, you wind up doing all of these fucking missions that remind me so much of, like, Geralt, Geralt doing those fucking detective type shit, where he'd be, like, tracking some monster, or tracking a person, and using elements of a, a scene, a crime scene, to determine what might have occurred and stuff like that. Aloy does that. She's got this focus that she can use to uh, tag tag enemies, scan for weaknesses, and also scan for like crime scene information. That's uh that's that's what I think wound up cementing the Witcher thing for me. I mean, you can you there is like obviously dialogue and you do a lot of talking to people and um, like questioning and stuff like that. And so to that extent, it's, it's similar to The Witcher as well. But uh, yeah, 
like it, I think it was the detective shit mostly, and the and the scale that wound up tying this game in as a Witcher game, and it's it's a it's such an unfair comparison, but I couldn't I couldn't not make it because The Witcher exists, right? The Witcher exists, and so we we've all got to fucking accept it, right? Uh, but yeah, I couldn't not make the comparison despite knowing in my brain that it was unfair because it's the first like this gorilla's first attempt in this franchise uh it's the first game in the series and the witcher had two other games to not just like refine how they do things though obviously they've refined it to a point where now horizon is trying to do what they do and then make it better but they're also they had this all these opportunities to build characters like Geralt and uh siri and tris and the other one uh the the better one and um yeah you had like all these opportunities and then suddenly yeah you get to number three you don't have to do a lot of that building you have to don't have to do a lot of world building you still have to do some but like not to the, the same extent and you don't have to do character building or introductions or anything like that well yeah they had to do it all like yeah fucking horizon needed to it was starting from scratch right so yeah, it had it had a big amount of work in front of it, and I had to get it done, I guess. So yeah, it is inherently un, an unfair comparison, but it's a comparison that has to exist because Horizon tries to do what The Witcher Three did, and it does it better in some areas. It does it worse in others. Uh, the dialogue isn't anywhere near as as good. The storylines, I don't think, are as mature. But like I said, it's uh, res that, I think that's a result of the game being stuck doing world building. Um, but yeah, the dialogue, you, you don't feel like you necessarily have a lot of impact on the world. It's not like Aloy's choices, like Aloy does actually have some choices. Uh, and I think it, that in particular gives me a lot of hope for Horizon 2. But uh, Aloy doesn't have a lot of control over her like the destiny of her world necessarily except for doing her best uh in whatever situation she is put in you know like she is, it's linear is what i'm getting at uh and so yeah the witcher does that better but like horizon does fucking combat better like by a fucking billion degrees it does combat better uh you're finding more interesting things as opposed to the forty thousandth fucking naked uh bandit you're fighting far more interesting enemies uh like basically 90 percent of what you fight is some sort of robot dinosaur okay like 90 percent 10 percent is humans uh yeah meanwhile the fucking the reverse is true for the witcher where 10 percent is fucking monsters and the rest is humans except for those fucking drowners which can get fucked forever but uh yeah so the combat's a lot better but you have to obviously be vaguely competent with aiming on a con controller so that's a challenge i suppose they have to some people will have to overcome uh and they wouldn't have had to overcome it necessarily with the witcher uh i still think it's, it's a lot better because the way that they use the bows they've got like Aloy has access to like 40 billion different bows uh, and they all have like as you upgrade them they become more powerful and that gives you more options and 
So you are very much able to analyze a situation, analyze a fight that's coming up, and then determine the most efficient way to uh, take it down, to finish it off. And so as a result, uh, it feels like that, because you know I don't like the, the combat in The Witcher, right? And one of the things that I always felt was good was when it forced you to use specific combat uh, combinations of potions to even be able to damage a uh, an entity. Uh, and a lot of the time, it, it wasn't really doing anything like that. Uh, like most of the time, you could get away with Quen, dodge, and attack. Um, and yeah, that'd be basically it. All you needed. You'd have all the fucking tools you needed. But yeah, people who love the combat would always say, oh, but there's such a wealth of things available to you to make the combat, you know, fun. Yeah, but we've talked about this before on the podcast, Jung, Junglist and I are firm believers in the idea that players will play for the most efficient way to get through combat, not the fucking funnest way necessarily. Some, obviously, uh, there are times when you feel like you've mastered the combat enough that you will feel like, yeah, I'll play for the most fun way to get through an encounter. But you only do that. People only do that. Like the one bro concept only exists in Dark Souls because people have confidence in the combat system to an extent where they feel like they can experiment with it. And they have... Uh, the combat system is deep enough, but also learnable uh, to an extent where they feel like experimentation will help them understand it even more. That's not the case in The Witcher. I'm not going to trot it out, like my problems with it all over again, but that's just, that's me. That's how I feel, and I know I'm right. Uh, Horizon on the other, uh, the most efficient way to kill most most animals is the most fun way. In most, like most, most of the time. The best, the most efficient way to kill humans is to plink them with a fucking, the sniper bow from as far away as possible. You plink them in the head, it'll crit them, they'll die instantly, and then you can plink the next one. So that, like, fighting humans tends to be pretty tedious, unless they've got the drop on you, and they're all swarming you, then it's kind of hectic. But, uh, yeah, fighting dinosaurs is the shit that they were talking about with the Witcher, where, yeah, you're like, oh, okay, well, if I set up some traps here... And then I lure them across to here. Then I should be able to... Then they... Like, the traps will trigger. Just as they get here, they'll explode. They'll suffer a massive amount of damage. And I can pick off whatever lives. That's fucking awesome. And it's basically how you go into every fight with anything larger than a Ravager. The Ravager is like the big steroids version and the scrapper it's got this giant gun on its back but it's spectacularly easy to beat uh it's like terrifying and uh i think it does like two-thirds of my health with one hit uh so really scary uh imposing to take on but uh once you know how to deal with it like literally all you have to do is shoot the gun off its back uh then you charge at it like <laughs> You open by using a tear arrow to shoot the gun off its back uh, so it can't shoot you. Then you sprint at the motherfucker, uh, dodge whatever attack it throws out, 
and then you pick up the gun and shoot it with its own gun and that is how you beat a ravager and it is a he perfect it's a 100 percent uh guaranteed way to get that kill so they're not scary i've like sorry i just ruined them for you uh but then they're, they're not they're not scary uh anything larger though yeah you set this shit up you set it up and you try to make it happen uh you try, you exploit any ai uh foibles that you can find you like if they can't see you behind a certain rock then you hide behind that fucking rock and then you duck out and you put up down more traps when you can you sit there you make more ammo whenever you can sometimes like at full sprints with like shit snip, uh, nipping at your heels you'll be like well yeah okay not ideal but i literally have to put together 40 more arrows or it's gonna get a lot worse for me so yeah you just fucking deal with it right there and then and yeah it feels amazing it's fantastic the combat system is brilliant so yeah that's what they did better than the witcher and it was almost enough for me to say fuck it it's better than the witcher but the reality is what the witcher did better in my opinion uh it, it did just so much better that that's the storytelling in the witcher is so spectacular and the ability to the fucking agency you have over your own destiny is it's yeah it's too too great and too great for horizon to overcome in my opinion i know others will disagree definitely but i yeah i don't know i want i want the witcher is one of those games that i think other games should aspire towards uh anyway so there was that what else is there uh i guess that's about it i mean the crafting system's pretty good it encourages like they've got this inv inventory man management system in it that i didn't like to be honest because uh, i don't think i don't think fucking sitting there and trying to work out which bundle of like which bunch of fucking rocks you have to get rid of so that you can hold on to some other shit i don't think that's a satisfying gameplay loop to be honest and i don't know what it adds like i understand that you you do it because that's what rpgs do but i don't know why why can i only hold 25 sticks in a bundle why can i only hold like fucking five traps in a bundle because like the inventory would be a lot easier to manage if I wasn't, like... Because I just pick up everything, right? I pick up everything I see. So if I see, like, the sticks... And I, I, I'm i just walking past them. Fuck it, I'll harvest it. I'll harvest the sticks. I'll harvest the health things. I'll harvest the... Yeah, fucking everything. I'll harvest everything. And think about it later. And... Yeah. It just means... By the time I actually had to think about it... It was like, uh... It was like... That's what it was like. It was like fucking... Metal Gear Solid 5, right? Uh, and you've got all of these soldiers. And you, like, I went on a fucking soldier kidnapping spree. And I felt really smart about it. And then three quarters of the way through the game, that virus comes about where anyone who speaks a certain language will die. Uh, and suddenly I had to go, like, through 400 fucking people and work out what language they spell. 
uh, spoke and I felt like a fucking chump. I felt like I'd been chumped out. And that's what this feel, feels like. I felt like I'd been chumped out because I'd been picking everything up all the time. And I, I'd maxed out my carrying capacity as soon as I could. So, yeah, it wasn't like the game was just waiting for me to fucking put some more effort in. I, I was at the actual limits of the game itself and... Yeah, it was punishing me for it. And I thought that kind of sucked. But uh, otherwise, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, no. Fucking brilliant. Like, brilliant. Like, genuinely brilliant. Like, I would recommend, if there was one other game on the PlayStation 4 that you were interested in, then do it. Get a PS4 and Horizon and whatever that game is. Because, like, pull the fucking trigger. Because in my opinion, Horizon is... I'd buy I'd buy a fucking PlayStation 4 Horizon uh, if I didn't have one. It is, it is my fucking dream game come true. And they executed it so well. So goddamn well. Uh, and yeah. Do it to it. Um, I don't know. That's all I got. Uh, let's do some news. News, 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 news. What do we got? Civ 6 is adding Australian DLC. Australia as civilization in the DLC. Uh, and you are playing as... Shitterbrick. I can't remember his fucking name. Uh, God damn it. God damn it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know Australian Prime Ministers. What? Come on. Come on. Uh... No, no idea. Um, anyway, uh, you, yeah, whoever he is, he's the guy. And that's about it. You're playing as him. Um, they have diggers as their special units uh, who have uh, advantages if they're near coastal tiles. You have advantages if you build near, like, advantages to housing if you build near coastal tiles. Uh, yeah, like that kind of shit. I think it's actually pretty, pretty well thought out in terms of, uh, gameplay. I don't, it doesn't feel necessarily Australian. Diggers is Australian, I suppose, but yeah, some of the other stuff doesn't feel too very Australian. So yeah, I don't know. Tough to say. Um, I did see someone was complaining about the choice of the prime minister, Though, and if I could find out what his fucking name was, he was he was our prime minister during World War Two, and uh, they were saying that you know he was responsible for a lot of heinous shit, and the reality is every political leader ever, or almost almost every political leader ever, has been responsible for some uh, some fucking heinous shit. That's the reality of power. I don't think they could pick uh, an Australian Prime Minister that people would be happy with, to be honest. Uh, so, they may as well pick one who was at least, uh, yeah, kicking about during a complex time in our history. And that's what they did. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, it's pretty cool. Civilization 6, I mean. Uh, and the idea of adding Australia. Uh, I want them to have really Australian voices. That'd be good. 
Here's another one. Uh, Jung's new show has launched. Uh, you can watch it. Uh, it's called Under Control, and he's doing it with uh, with Jesse. What's her last name? Fuck him. I'm no good at details tonight, huh? Uh, Jesse James, geek and gamer girl. She's a streamer. Uh, so I think we've pinned this out before because we got got in on the ground floor, baby. We we were. We told you about this back when it was still sort of soft launching, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's out. It's it's available. You can watch it now. Go to Snackable TV or Snackable TV, I believe it is Snackable TV TV. That's that's more complicated than it should be. Uh, and uh, you can watch watch the show. Uh, but yeah, it's just Jung talking about games, which. How bad could that be? Not bad at all. It's brilliant, actually. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. Uh, another piece of news this week is Steam is adding 10% to game prices. And this is, in my opinion, some bullshit. Uh, look, a lot of people... A lot of people don't believe in Australia tax anymore. Uh, and I understand. I understand the theory uh, that Australia tax doesn't exist, but uh, the reality is on Steam, Australia tax very much does exist because publishers, like a lot of publishers, will adjust uh, their prices. Or what they'll do is they'll leave their prices at US prices. We get US price, we get prices in USD on the Steam, uh, and what a lot of companies will do is they'll leave their prices at just the US USD price. So it'll be, if it's 60 bucks in America, it'll be 60 bucks USD over here. Uh, some companies, however, uh, will jack up their price to Australian prices, which means if it's $90 here, they'll charge $90 for it on Steam, but it will be $90 US. And that is fucking horseshit. Uh, worse still, though, is this idea that we're then going to have to tack 10% onto the top of that, but it will look. The reason uh, I wanted to talk about this because I think it puts us in a very interesting position. Because now, if we see companies specifically changing prices for the Australian store and then leaving it in USD, right? It'll be far more abhorrent now. If they jack it up to ninety nine as opposed to ninety, then it will be far more egregious than it was. Previously, I mean, it was still egregious, but yeah, it'll be far more obvious. We can very clearly document what is no, like, no question, price gouging. All I think this is going to do is hurt uh, the local, local distributors. I don't, I don't, maybe, maybe they're not involved. Clearly, to some extent, they are though. If they're changing the prices to match Australian store prices. So, yeah. Clearly, to some extent, they're involved, but I don't think they're all that involved. The, the interesting thing is going to be whether or not it hurts the Australian distributors because people will go to CDK websites. But I'm genuinely thinking that it might be worth uh, having a... I don't know, like a site or something to track like good prices on games based on 
like Australian gamers because I know there's a lot of uh, there's like game deals on Reddit and stuff like that and that's really really cool but like I think some sort of aggregate of like oh here's a great price for Dead Rising or whatever the fuck it might like actually wind up be really helpful for Australian consumers if it was Australian specific I don't know if you know such a site already that'd be fantastic otherwise I'd love to look into setting someone on that up I don't really get that uh moved to action all that much but this is uh yeah i don't know it's got me g'd up a little yeah okay um that's the news i guess it's all the news that's fit to fit to print um one more we'll do some questions won't we hang on let's check if there's questions so i'm so good at this look at me go i'm nearly nearly done how are we how long have we been going oh fuck we can make two hours that's that's awesome um nope that's the wrong fucking email come on let's go okay just feeling uh dead air here um oh god here we go um uh <laughs> Philip writes in, Hey Joby. Oh God. I'm saddened to hear that you're bad at video games, but don't worry. Things will pick up soon, buddy. What are some of your favorite grand strategy games? Recently, my go-to game slash crack has been Europa Universalis 4, though I'm generally over it now after about 700 hours. The somewhat sketchy and high price to poor content DLC won't fix this either. I've tried CK2, the Civ games, Solaris, and Total War uh, series, among others, without the same rush, and I'm still on the lookout. Medieval games similar to the upcoming uh, Mountain Blade 2 and Kingdom Come Deliverance I'm keen on, but I'm not aware of any others that are already out that don't seem overly janky or dated. I haven't dug too deep, but any ideas that come to mind would be great. Uh, I do have an idea for uh, Grand Strategy. I played a lot of Hearts of Iron 3 back in the day, and I believe Hearts of Iron 4 is even better. I haven't played it because I know how devastating it would be for my time. Uh, but yeah, Hearts of Iron 3 was some shit, man. So if you want a really good Grand Strategy game, and if you can stomach giving uh, whatever the fuck they're called, pen, not, not Pandemic, uh, Paragon? I don't know. The Publishers of uh of eu4 and hearts of iron 4 uh if you can stomach giving the money then uh yeah i would go for that one but it's world war ii uh up front so uh just keep that in mind it's not going to be medieval shit necessarily uh, otherwise civ 6 is amazing i don't know and stellaris is actually really good but if you've already tried them so then perhaps not for you uh medieval games like mountain blade 2 and kingdom come deliverance i there is nothing there is nothing unless you can Unless you can bear to install Mountain Blade and grab some mods to make it look less garbage, uh, you're just gonna have to wait for one of those two because, uh, yeah, they're they're pretty much it. Kingdom Come Deliverance looks fucking amazing. It looks like that. It looks like that shit I was talking about earlier. The fucking plate spinning it looks like very much my kind of fucking medieval goofy shit game. So uh, yeah, very excited on that one. But I got nothing for you yet. Uh, when it comes out though definitely keen to play it um yeah 
Sorry, I don't have any more answers for you. You'll uh, yeah, just have to hang out, hang on there. I did see, fuck, ah, oh, I saw something the other day. You sort of make like, uh, no, nah, that was Kingdom Come. Never mind. <laughs> uh, okay. Cheers and keep up the good work, Pepe, Sylvia, Kappa. Since about episode one fifty. Thanks, Pepe. Uh, goddamn Pepe, Sylvia. Uh, there's no Janet. There's no Janet. Uh, good email though. Thank you for writing in on this week when I'm doing it all on my own. Uh, I am actually amazing at games that I should mention. Uh, I'm not sure how this is going to go, so I'm going to actually try to do some movie magic here while I listen. Because Cameron has sent in a speak pipe, so we're going to listen to that right now. Let's see how that goes. Hey, uh, this is Cameron. I just wanted to talk about Telltale for a little bit. I really enjoyed The Walking Dead, even though they've got the illusion of choice thing where it's none of your actions really change that much in the end, but you get to go around kind of thinking that they do. But I was recently playing the Game of Thrones game, and there's a bit in that, I won't really spoil it, where you get to choose whether or not you end up killing someone. And I chose not to, next episode starts, everyone's yelling at me, you stabbed him, you stabbed him. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, that's weird game's bugged out tried it again same result so i contact customer support and they say oh that's a known issue uh it's no longer supported you know if you can't go back and redo it then it's whatever and it kind of strikes me as weird that a game where basically the only interaction is the little choices you get to make can't even do that right and they're gonna you know chuck it aside and they're gonna be like whatever not supported have fun not a big deal that is kind of the storytelling and the little choices you can make is the only reason to play those for me. And I feel like it kind of ruined the experience. What is it that you feel has um, bugged out that significantly ruined your perception of a game? Thank you for the, uh, the uh, speakpipe, Cameron. Uh, you can message us at speakpipe.com slash the GA podcast, I believe, or the gaff, one or the other. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, good question. Uh, not as somber as last time, though. I don't, I don't. I'm not gonna try to edit the arrival music in the background of that one. Although it is a sad story. Uh, good question. Uh, like Daisy must bug out to a point where I'm done with it once every couple of months, I reckon, uh, and then I'll come back and I'll try it again. For me, I mean, for me, if anything, that story exemplifies my overarching problem with the Telltale games because I want to like the Telltale games just as I like want to like all adventure games but inevitably the illusion of choice uh, I like the illusion no longer exists and I understand just how transparent uh, and how absent my choice my ability to choose really winds up being and uh, that like if anything would fucking uh, illuminate that idea. It would be the fact that they don't—they don't even give a fuck that the illusion, their illusions, no longer work. And they're just like, yeah, whatever. Oh my god, that's terrible. Like, yeah, no, that is specifically awful. Uh, like in that case, yeah, that's just terrible. Um, I can't. I yeah, I can't believe they—they they wouldn't even support it. That's just bullshit, man. Like, that's just. Shit-tastic. Uh, it is so critical to their game. And that is 
a huge, huge thing. Like, if you rest it all on your ability to decide on someone's life or death, and then suddenly the game is like, yeah, well, you know, you didn't actually get to choose, fuck it. Then, yeah, that's, that's fucking terrible. Um, yeah, I guess the Battlefield thing I was talking about earlier is another sort of, it's, it's not necessarily, uh, exactly what you're talking about, but it is that sort of, I don't know, fucking apathy. Yeah, good question. Good question. Let's see if we've got any other emails. Thank you, Cameron. Uh, come on. It's speakpipe.com slash the gap. Just FYI, just to be clear. Uh, and no, we don't have any more questions in email, but awesome that we got emails in. Uh, we do have some emails in our Discord. Uh, you can go to the Discord channel by going to the gapodcast.com and following the link there. I can't remember the rest of the link. Luke does this shit. You know it. You know this. Okay. Um, Racy asks, did you foresee Gap Discord turning into Gap Rainbow Six? You know what I actually like about our Discord is that I can see a bunch of people who are online, uh, not necessarily in the channel, but just online, hanging out, uh, available to chat if they so choose at any one time. Uh, and most of the, like, I'm just, I just like seeing people playing games, to be honest. We'll get some people playing World of Warcraft, Heroes of the Storm, Rocket League, uh, Rainbow Six, OVS, OVS, uh, and, uh, apparently I was playing Scrivener the other day. It shows up that I'm playing Scrivener, uh, when I'm using Scrivener, uh, which is, uh, not ideal, but I don't really, it's not a game, so I don't really want it showing up, but whatever. Uh, and it's probably showing up a little too much information for my uh, for my measure if it's showing when I'm using fucking Scrivener. Whatever. Um, yeah. I, I didn't think it would turn into everyone just playing Rainbow Six, but I am actually happy when we're all playing Rainbow Six, so I don't, I don't give a fuck. It's a happy coincidence nonetheless. Uh, Baz writes, regarding the audio headphone chats, it's one of those things where unless you have experienced it, you don't know you need or want it. Best comparison I can think of would be going from a 60 hertz monitor to 144 hertz monitor in 1080p, and then again going to 1440p, 144 hertz. Once you've done each step, you notice the step down and often can't go back. I've just gone through the steps above and have done the same with headphones. Started off much the same as you mentioned on the podcast, but they weren't free. Got to the point where I was spent a couple of hundred dollars on 7.1 surround gaming headset and after one hour it would start to hurt my head. I looked for better options and quickly found them from people who knew well and above what I ever will on this topic. The best part, shut the f oh my god this is, now it's gonna bing because I had to listen to the speak pipe on oh my fuck, goddamn binging. Uh, the best part was is that it isn't much difference in price from a pair of expensive gaming headphones. However, the sound, comfort, and quality make gaming headsets look like toys. The money I've spent to achieve 1440p at 144Hz over 1440p at 60Hz is far greater than going from 7.1 surround sound to a set of studio quality headphones and a mic. Without a doubt, it has been the best investment I've made for my PC setup, especially when it comes to competitive gaming. 
Even when you can't see your opponent, you can pinpoint them from the audio. Despite the above, any headphones are good until you, you try the next tier up. But if you have $200 to $300 to spend, please look at studio quality stereo open back headphones before buying gaming headsets. If you have $100 roughly and want a gaming headset, as I've said before, you can go past a set of HyperX Cloud 2s. And Veldar interjected with a $100 set of mixing headphones would be better than almost all gaming headset, uh, headsets. The frequencies aren't changed as much with audio-specific headphones. Yeah, that's actually... Uh, I was looking into it a little bit, and that's actually what I found, is that if you were on in the $100 range, you would wind up being better off with uh, audio-specific headset. Uh, I've only actually started looking into this because of our repeated chats about this. And it is something that, like, the staggering amount of difference I talked about, but the staggering difference I felt when I went from, uh, like, budget cans to these significantly better cans uh, is... Yeah, it's massive. And so, yeah, I want I want it again. I want to see that fucking leap again. I want to... I've already got the mic set up, so fuck it. I'm there. Um, probably the worst question I've ever seen, though, about is because I do not see a question mark in any of that wall of text, mates. So, uh, pick up your game. Uh, did we make two hours? We didn't make two hours. That's Oh, no, hang on. With uh, Cameron's speak pipe taking up about a minute and a half, we will have made two hours. So that's a two-hour podcast with just your good old pal Jobo talking. Uh, let's see if Luke has sent like left me with any of the shit that I'm supposed to say at the end of this, this podcast. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us and review us. Uh, and by us, I mean me, because I did this on my fucking own. Uh, email us at thegapodcast at gmail.com, like... Cameron and Pepe Sylvia did uh, become a fan on Facebook.com uh, slash the GA podcast or on Twitter.com slash the GA podcast. Uh, you can head to our website, the GA podcast.com. Uh, our Discord is the GA podcast.com slash Discord. He did write this down. And you can support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the GA podcast. And uh, I would like to thank all of our Patreon subscribers uh, for their continued patronage i guess uh is that the word you use that word right uh I'd, I'd use that word i just did use that word uh i think it's fucking awesome uh and uh we'll have to buy a bunch of beers next time we see you all uh but yeah i'm fucking down with it it's really cool um don't feel like you have to obviously i've said it a billion times never feel like you have to but if you feel like you want to do it to it because that'd be fucking cool uh hit us up on speakpipe.com slash the gap and that's about it you can find me uh at joby jojo on twitter uh i wrote the review for ozgamers.com on uh oh, sorry review of horizon zero dawn on ozgamers.com uh i should have an interview going up about mass effect andromeda uh on there as well and uh have some Rainbow Six stuff going up on Red Bull Esports this week, which should be cool because uh, I'm pushing more more shooters on that because uh, I like shooters and I like to watch shooters. So. And Australians are actually quite good at shooters, so it's a bit easier to talk about Australian success if we're going to write about shooters. So that's uh, I've said shooters too many times now.
Oops. Uh, that's about it. Uh, I did have a video up uh, about Horizon Zero Dawn, and it was about like a it was a silly video, a throwaway line. Uh, at one point, uh, Aloy says something about taking out the giant crocodile robots from afar is cheating, and I had a bit of a rant. It was a bit of an excuse to show off uh, a lot of gameplay footage of Horizon Zero Dawn. And, uh, yeah, it was, I, what I was doing was, uh, skirting around their embargo details. So the embargo said, you're not allowed to show, uh, a bunch of uncut footage of Horizon Zero Dawn until the 27th without editorial. So I put an editorial, which was just an unstructured rant about this line, uh, and put it up. But Sony you abused, abused, I'm going to say it, they fucking abused the copyright strike system to strike down the video and uh, they they took it down and I got a strike against my channel as a result and I didn't do anything wrong and it actually makes me fucking livid and uh, I've been emailing back and forth with Sony uh, about getting it fixed and if it's not fixed by the time this is up uh, or if I don't have them saying yes we'll get it fixed as like this weekend or something uh, then I'm going to make another fucking video and it's going to be uncut footage of the fucking game and it's going to be me ranting about how Sony are fucking shit for abusing the system because uh, it is bullshit and yeah so uh, stay tuned for one of those videos I guess <laughs> uh, but that's about it thanks so much for listening uh, we'll catch I'll catch you next week I guess um, yeah that's about it bye